Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Last week I began a summer sermon series entitled Walk It Out. It was really, it's a sermon series based on the book of Ephesians. We are going to pick up with that topic next week. Uh, I'm going a little bit different direction this morning, and, and I know it's Dad's Day, and so I really want to speak, really speak to men, to fathers, not just fathers, but to uh, all the men. And I know this will relate to everybody that's present today, but I just specifically want to address just men on, on just a topic that has just laid on my heart. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, there's a time for everything, everything. There's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under the sun. There's a time to give birth, there's a time to die, there's a time to plant, there's a time to uproot what is planted, there's a time to kill, there's a time to heal, there's a time to mourn, there's a time to rejoice. And he goes on and on in those verses telling about this, is, it's all a time for this, there's a time for that, for everything, every conceivable activity is a time. And so the thing that we have to know is this, so what time is it, Right? If there's a time to, to, to throw stones, he said, or time to gather stones, we've got to know what time is it. And over the last few years, one of the things that God has really been speaking to me is this thing of rest, rest. It's been taken from Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. It says, uh, it says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered this rest has himself, this is important, has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of of obedience. These verses are not just simply a reference to taking a day off or taking a Sabbath. It's not just a reference to taking a much needed vacation. It refers to this whole thing of Hebrews 4. There remains a rest for the children of God. There's something much more that, that the author is speaking of. It's a reference to finding peace in the daily activities of life. In fact, before he says, today, if you hear his voice and do not harden your heart. He says, there's a rest for the people of God in the daily activities of life. There's a rest today, right? Yes, yes. And it may not, this may not be just like, like kicking your feet up, but in the middle of, of the challenges, it's finding this place of rest in the challenges that we face. It's this place of quiet calm and confidence knowing God is in control, I am not, he's my father, he loves me. That means I can just approach this challenge, this situation, this day in a place of just, why would I stress it? God's got it. It's a deep trust in God's ability rather than in my ability and in his amazing love for each of us. And I love that. So there remains a rest for the people of God. Therefore, let's be diligent. And it's kind of a little bit of an oxymoron. Be diligent to rest. You don't, we don't think of those two words together, diligence and rest. But he says, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest. And yet... And yet, what, what's, what's interesting is in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, there are references to pressing into the Lord, okay? Pressing, pressing into the Lord. Hosea 6.3 states this, so let us know, 
Let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like rain, like the spring rain, water the earth. And I, I, love, I, I love this verse. So let us know. Let us press on. Let's press on to know the Lord. It speaks of intention. Let's be intentional, okay? It speaks of focus. Here's my focus. I'm going to press in. It speaks of action. It speaks of determination, Philippians 3, Paul said this in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained it or have already become perfect, but Paul says, but I press on. Again, it speaks of focus, of intention, of action and determination. In the middle of, I'm not where I want to be right now, but in the middle of all of it, I press on that I may hold, take hold of that for which also has been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I don't, do not regard myself as having laid hold of it already, but there's one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. And so I see sometimes we see, well, those things are almost kind of in opposition, this rest, but then pressing on. Is there a t- it's always time to find this rest. But then there's this thing where he talks about and pressing on, though, pressing on. To press in or press on means to step up. I'm stepping up. It means this, to step into something. It involves our will. It's an intentional decision. It is to engage, to engage with the desire to bring about a change. So press in, press in. When I was in sixth grade, my sixth grade teacher was Miss Wigand. And, and Miss Wigand was, she was a single lady, and she was, she was, she had quite a reputation in our, in our little school in South Dakota, and she was tough. In fact, I don't know of a sixth grader that, that went into her class without a little bit of fear and intrepidation because of who she was. I mean, she was just this tough lady. I look back now and like, man, she was a great teacher though. And so one day in the middle of our class, she begins, she's talking about astronomy. As she's talking about astronomy, she begins to dive into more thoughts of astrology. She begins talking about the constellations. And then she begins talking about like helping us to discover what our zodiac sign is in all of that. And so, and just so that you know, uh, in all of that, rather than trusting the stars, we are to trust the one that created the stars for our future. And something inside of me like, this, does, this isn't right. I don't, think this is, this, I don't think this is right. So I went home and I said to my dad, Dad, today in class, Miss Wiggins started talking about like astrology and she was helping us to know what our zodiac sign was. And he says, well, Nathan, do you understand that's not something that we believe in? because we believe in the one that made the stars rather than just in the formation of the constellation of stars. I said, yeah, Dad, I know that's what I'm just telling you about. He says, well, this is what I want to do, so tomorrow morning I'm going to go to school with you and I'd like to talk with Miss Wigan together. I'm like, Dad, Dad, hold on a second. You're going to go face off with Miss Wigan? I mean, like, Dad, come on. He goes, yes, I'd like to go talk with her. And so that next morning I got up, my dad got up, and together we walked into the sixth grade class before school had started, she was the only one there, and my dad had a face-off with Miss Wigan. okay? <laughs> 
And uh, very kind, my father was a very kind person. He says, uh, Miss Wagon, I just want you to know, as you've been t- my son has come home, told us that this is what you've been talking about. I just want you to know that's not something that we hold to. And she was very kind as well. And I, don't, I can't exactly remember the outcome because it's so many years ago, but I, either I was like, dismissed for that next class period or else she went on to something different. But, but the thing is, I was just thinking about that. Uh, I, I was thinking... My father chose simply not just to sit back, but rather to willfully, intentionally, to press into a situation, to engage in an issue, to bring about a positive change. And it worked. And for me, when I think back at that moment, I'm like, Dad, way to go. I'm so glad my dad did that. I'm glad that in my life, I have this, this, this memory of my dad caring about me, being willing to go toe-to-toe with Miss Wigan, right? For my sake. Mary and I have been reflecting just recently, I guess as we always do maybe as parents, and just uh, looking back on our years of raising our three kids uh, and I realized how many parents, how many dads would say, I probably would do things a little bit differently at different times. How about a lot of things different at different times, okay? Young parents, just be thinking about this. It's going to happen to you as well. And one of the areas, if I could be really transparent, one of the areas that I have some regrets in, and that is areas where when I should have pressed in, but I didn't. Just to be honest, I remember one year, and, and well, I'll, I'll share the story. I remember one year, our oldest son, Stephen, was a senior in high school. Daniel, our middle son, was a sophomore in high school. They were both playing basketball, and, and it's so fun. If you, for you, you know, your dads have had your kids play sports. It's so fun watching them, and it was so fun having them on the same team. But the leadership of the team had this thought that upperclassmen always play ahead of those underclassmen in spite of, uh, or despite of, of just uh, uh, athletic ability. So what that meant is that year, a number of seniors went out for the basketball team that had never played competitive basketball before. They'd never gone out before. What that meant is that our son on JV, they said, well, you're too good to play JV, so you should play varsity. Uh, so he did play a few, uh, a few quarters. I think he could play five quarters in the evening, so he'd play a couple quarters because they wanted to save him for varsity. But then on varsity, the coach says, well, actually, we're going to play upperclassmen rather than playing. And so as a result, he got hung in the middle. And for a dad, like, like so young parents, there's nothing that challenges your Christianhood like your kids in sports. <laughs> right? I mean, there's nothing that challenges your Christianity, like having your kids involved in sports. Nothing. I'm being honest. There's nothing, okay? And so I'm like, this is not good. I think I need to step in. And I, I've, I've been to the coaches' preseason you know, like meetings. Like, you've got to wait 24 hours to, to approach a coach. Uh, you've got to, you know, have your son be their own advocate. I mean, I've, I've been through those meetings, and yet there was something that didn't seem right in this situation. But because I'm a pastor... I don't want to be that guy, right? I, I like, no, I don't want to be the whining, complaining pastor of such and such a church. Like, yeah, watch out for him, you know, because, and so I chose not to do anything. And I'll just be honest, young dads, when I look back, man, I wish I would have. Because my son has a memory of his sophomore basketball season of being pretty, pretty difficult. 
but he doesn't have a memory of dad pressing in to a situation to help him. Men, we're called to be leaders. Husbands, we're called to be leaders in our home, and that means that there are times that we press into the situation, not about us. There are times we step in. There are times that we step into a situation to bring about a change, not, not some selfish, not some, you know, like our kid's the best and has a, has a you know, a D1 scholarship waiting. I mean, like waiting for, you know, I'm, please, like, like filter this through common sense. But I believe we need our children, we need to give our children a memory that dad's willing to press in and step up for us. And there's a lot of places that can occur, but the context of scripture is this. He says the whole context, let us press in to know the Lord. Hosea 6.3, so let's press in, let's press in to know the Lord. Philippians 3, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, forgetting what lies behind, pressing on, pressing on to what lies ahead. I press on to the knowledge of just, like, I really want to get to know God. I mean, there's this place of, of rest for the people of God, but then there's this place of intention and focus and action and determination that begins because we know who our God is. Everything, all of our actions should be based on knowing who God is because we know who our God is. And I was just thinking about this. Man, we can give our children a beautiful home, a great education, a sense of humor, a wonderful memories, fishing, hunting skills, and even a big inheritance, which is all awesome. I love it all. But one of the greatest things we can give to our children and to our descendants is a love for God and a legacy. Dad really knew God. The Apostle Paul, Philippians 3, 7, 8, whatever things were gained to me, those things I equated as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever things were gained to me, actually they were lost, like they were, they were lost. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of what? Of knowing Christ. Everything else is just considered lost to the value of knowing Christ and pressing in to know God for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish so that I can gain Christ. Man, I love that. Let's press on to know the Lord. I count everything but loss to the, when I compare it to the value of just of knowing, knowing, knowing who God is. I can't think of anything more significant that I can do for my children when they were young and now as they're old and for my grandchildren, my five grandchildren, than just knowing Jesus Christ and knowing who God is to know him, to know him. And I have discovered this. I have discovered that there's a certain attitude that needs to accompany our faith when it comes to, know, to pressing in to know the Lord. Let me say it again. I think there's a certain attitude that we as men, that we can possess to knowing Christ. What do I mean? I, I mean this, I, I remember... I guess we're reflecting back a lot in the sermon, but I remember in the small school that I was raised in, the first two years, freshman and sophomore year playing high school football, anybody play football in like a, a small class B school? Awesome, well great job, you guys survived, that's, that's wonderful, okay? But, but, but there's two things when you play football in a small school. Number one, you make the team, because everybody that goes out for the team makes the team. 
It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you can't you know, walk. Or, it doesn't matter. Man, you're going to be on the team. Number two, it means that this, that when the offense in practice, the varsity offense is practicing, it means your defense practicing against the varsity offense. And when the varsity defense is practicing, it means your offense practicing against the defense. I think I may have shared this story. I don't remember. It seems a little bit a while ago, but there was a guy in the varsity. So, so just so that you know, when I was a freshman, I was five foot eight, and I was 145 pounds, okay? And a force to be reckoned with, I'll be honest, okay? 5'8", 145. How do I know? Because I still have the folder, okay? I still have, like, the program, like Nathan Johnson, number 65, 5'8", 145, okay? And, 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 and so in practice, because of my obviously size, I'm playing defensive line. I play defensive tackle, okay? And so I'm lining up against Marvin Mutchler. Marvin Mutchler was a, we lived in this ranching area, western South Dakota, and he was a ranch kid. And I, I'm not exaggerating, please, okay? Six foot four, and he was like a man amongst us, okay? <laughs> And so I remember lining up against him. All we're doing is practicing. He's offensive tackle, I'm defensive tackle. And I come up there and I come across the line, just can I just kind of walk by so the coach can kind of see me, thinks I'm doing really well. And he comes up with his forearm and nails my helmet and spins it to the side. And, and I'm just like, whoa. I mean, I was hit so hard. And the only thing I remember is Marvin Mutual walking back to the huddle saying to the coach Wilson, I think I got my side of the line taken care of, <laughs> and laughing as he did. Coach Wilson spoke to me and said this. He said, Nathan, I want you to understand football is 85% mental and 15% physical ability. Like, why are you telling me that? <laughs> like, why are you telling me that? Yeah, he says 85% mental and 15% physical ability. What did he mean by that? He was saying to excel in football, there's, you got, there's a certain attitude you gotta have. How many football, like, do you agree? Yeah, there's a certain attitude. Being successful in football requires focus and attitude and determination. You can have all kinds of athletic ability and without mental toughness, you're not gonna be successful. We can have all kinds of athletic ability, or a person can have all kinds of athletic ability, but yet without mental toughness, it doesn't matter. They'll not excel. And in the same way, guys, men, we can sit in church all we want. We can look, we can act as spiritual as we please, but yet without putting strong faith into action, our faith is really powerless or anemic. There's this thing that says, enemy, not here, not now, and not on my watch. I'm trusting in you, God, I'm resting, but in Jesus' name, not here, not now, not in my home, that's not gonna happen. And I'm not, I'm not like trying to like, pump us up from some Vince Lombardi locker room top, like, yeah, 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 and bumping helmets and shoulder, I mean, but I'm just saying, there's this attitude as believers that, that says, like, that's not gonna happen. That's not happening. And we have come to the Lord and say, God, I have read your promises. 
Lord, I understand what you did when you were on this earth. And God, today I'm pressing in and I'm laying hold of that which you've already provided for me. In Jesus' name, I'm praying for the salvation of my children. I'm praying for the salvation of whatever it may be. God, I am believing for that because that's what you've given to me. That's mine. I'm taking hold of it in Jesus' name. We can say, well, that's just the way life goes, and we can wear our beautiful lavender camp t-shirts and say, like, <laughs> like that's just, but, but there's something about, like, no, we're going to press in. We're gonna, there's, there's a time, man, there's a time we say, we're going to press in. A lot of you know the story of our son, our youngest son, that, that was in a motorcycle accident 10 years ago that left him a paraplegic. He's married, has a beautiful daughter, he's doing well. Uh, they live in Minot and, and doing well. But I remember the time after his accident here in Grand Forks, he was flowing uh, medevac to Hennepin County Medical Center, uh, a level one trauma center there uh, for the first five days because of, because of the impact on a spinal cord and spinal column. He was to lay perfectly flat uh, because there was so much blood pooling. And after the blood subsided, uh, then, then they went in and did surgery and put in some titanium rods alongside of his column to grant him stability. And so after he was coming out of, out of all of that medication, he began to have incredible, incredible hallucinations. At, at the time, prior to, he had, been watching, he had been watching a show called 24. Anybody remember that? Uh, Josiah, you helped me last time. Jack Bauer, was that it? Jack Bauer? Jack Bauer, anybody know what I'm talking about? And so Ben, in his, in his state, had like climbed into the role as Jack Bauer as he's on the bed. And he's like, Dad, get down, get down, stop, stop. And, and like, like, Ben, no, no, you're there. You need to recover. But he had those hallucinations. And, and, and with Mary, he was like, Mom, come here, get down. And there's glass shards coming from the ceiling, and you've got to get out of the way. And like, like, no, 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 no. And so the doctor came in, and the doctor said, this is kind of normal. We, I'm sure that it's, this is just the result of, of the medication. And so, so I'll come back tomorrow, and it should be fine. Came back the next, more, the next day, and, and Ben had, not, had hardly rested. His eyes were just like, they were just wild, going continually. The doctor said, he's still hallucinating? Like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's been crazy all, all night long. And he asked me a question. He said, just, I, I need to understand something. Was he wearing a helmet at his accident? And I said, he was, he was. But it was, it, was, it was scarred from the road rat. It was scarred. I mean, it was, just, it was just, the whole side was just kind of shaved off. I said, he was. And he says, well, this is not normal. This is what we'll do. Tomorrow, I'll come back. If he's still hallucinating, then we're going to begin running some tests to determine if he has brain injury. And I wish I could say that this is just how I commonly would act but I just know that at that moment, something just ignited inside of me said, that's not happening. A spinal cord injury is one thing. A brain injury is another thing. That's not happening. My sister was visiting from California, and she would spend the night with Ben. So Mary and I would go back to the hotel, and when we were in the hotel, we'd get sleep at night. And then during the day, we would come back to the hospital so that we could be with all the medical staff and the doctors and, and with all the tests. And then at night, and then she would sleep during then. And so I said, Jennifer, I'm going to stay the night with Ben tonight. And she said, no, you need to go back and get sleep. It's been a long day. And, you need, and I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm staying tonight. And she said, no, no, you need to go 
And I said, I'm staying tonight. Okay, okay. And that night with a cot laying beside Ben, I don't remember all the things that happened, but I just, and again, I wish I could say this was just characteristic, but there was something, the Spirit of God just, I could sense it, just welled up and said, this is not gonna happen. This will not happen. And so that night just took time with they turned all the lights off and he was just there and just be, was just praying and praying. I fell asleep beside him at eight o'clock. I hear this, dad, dad. And, and I look over to my son and for the first time in days, our eyes like connected. And he said, dad, whatever they gave me, tell them to never give that to me again because Ben at 18 of his accident had never, was the most healthiest kid ever, had never been on an antibiotic ever in his entire life. There was a marine nurse that was taking care of him at that time, Mike was his name. I'll be honest, I judged him a little bit because he, his, his, his scrubs were military fatigues and he had this huge mustache. And like, I don't know that I want you taking care of my son. And he came up to me at the, towards in that time. He said, Mr. Johnson, I just gotta be honest with you. Your son is stoned. He's just simply stoned. <laughs> and he was right. And I've never been so glad to have a son who's stoned. But uh, <laughs> he's just stoned. And he was right. He was right. Everything flows from knowing God, men. It doesn't flow from our knowledge of our, of our sports statistics. It doesn't flow from our knowledge of technological advances. It doesn't flow from our financial strategy investments. It flows from knowing Jesus Christ. That's why Daniel says, listen to Daniel 11.32, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. But the people who know their God, when you know your God, they will display strength and take action. That's like my new favorite verse. Everything flows from knowing God. And I've just been thinking about it. I think the times we live in demand it. Gas prices, food prices, empty shelves, racial tensions, school shootings, mental health crisis at all time high, and men, our families need us. They need us to step in, to be leaders. They need us, not in a dictatorial fashion, but rather in a servant's heart. We invite our spouse, our children, our family, our friends, to like, you know, follow me as I follow Christ, as Paul said. How do we know God? Just quick, and then we're, then we're gonna be done. How do we know God? How do we press in? I believe this, it's found in prioritizing prayer. Just spending time with God in prayer, daily and consistently, to know our, know our God. Prioritizing our time in the word of God, and then as well, just prioritizing Christian community. That's how we know. Josiah, if, if you and the band like to come and just lead us in that song uh, as well. Maybe that second song, I love that. The, As we wrap up today, hope, hopefully you've understood there's a time to rest, and I'm all about that, but then there's a time to really press in. And so the question I have today is, what is it that's keeping you from pressing in? Or maybe I could say this more. What is the thing that's keeping us from knowing God, knowing God? It's gonna be different things for different ones of us.
But what are those things today? Thank you. Let's just bow our heads today if we can. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We'll take a moment this time and we'll, uh, Mary, if you want to just go separate with Crookston at this time, but just want to thank all of you for being here today and especially all you dads. Man, it's happy Father's Day. Pray that it's a wonderful day. I'm going to ask the Spirit of the Lord just to speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us today, to us. Lord, that you'd help us to step up and to step into really all that you have for us, oh God, to press in to know you, God. Those who know God will display strength and take action. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Again, a question I would just ask what is, to, 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 to us men, what is the thing that's holding us back from really knowing God? Thank you, Jesus. Father, speak to our hearts today, I ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.